Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Postcard from the Past and Wardour Studios, this is Podcast from the Past, the Postcard Podcast. This is the programme where I invite guests to revisit picture postcards that they've kept, and together we try to understand what it was that kept these particular cardboard oblongs from the shredder and the recycling bin. Usually, each time, I welcome to the studio two guests, and it's their postcards that act as an uncertain path between our everyday lives and our patterns of mysteries, memories and stories. But we've reached the end of the first series of Podcasts from the Past. So in this programme... We'll be listening again to six conversations sparked by just six of those picture postcards. I'm Tom Jackson, and today the guests we'll be hearing from will be the comic actors Ruth Bratt and Matthew Horne, comedian and novelist Mark Watson, playwright, novelist, cultural commentator Bonnie Greer, and comedian, star of The Mash Report, Rachel Paris. But first, we're going to hear from Gary Kemp, songwriter and guitarist with Spandau Ballet. And Gary has a slightly unusual relationship with a card he talked about. When he was a young man and Spandau Ballet were conquering the world, or at least the pop charts, he used to send postcards to a friend. Every town he visited around the world, he'd send a postcard. Years later, with the twists and turns of life and relationship breakups intervening, the postcards have now been returned to him. So when we met Gary, who was on the programme with journalist and broadcaster B.B. Lynch, we got to see his postcards... He was still in the process of getting to know, once again, what his younger self had written 30-odd years before. So, OK, what have we got here? A, a, so I looked at this one. This is 1985, for example, and I'd just done Live Aid. Wow. And then... What's on the front? Um, I think I was in Ireland. and we, we were doing some writing and, and recording in Ireland, and I'd gone back to Ireland, and... And I'm saying, post-Live Aid, it says, 18th of the 7th, 85, everything seems like an anticlimax after the exciting weekend. Ah, oh, well, back to the griddlestone, I wrote. <laughs> oh, oh, I know why, because I'm in Ireland. Oh, okay. oh very that good. That was there. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, we didn't get to meet again after the show, and I'm glad that you finally got home. OK, see you soon. I mean... You know, obviously Gary had come to the show, come to Live Aid. You know, we're not talking about what it had done, what it had achieved. That was This was just, you know, a, a kid who had performed at the show and his mate had been watching and, you know, saying that it, is, it was an anticlimax. I think probably everyone felt there was an yeah. anticlimax after thought. Live Aid. But also I think it's sweet. You've, you've, you've been at 
you know, arguably the biggest show in the world, yeah. and you're upset that you didn't manage to meet your mate afterwards. I think that's that's a postcard showing some consideration. Exactly. I don't think we fully realised that it that Live Aid did change everything because it gave power to the people. It usurped democracy in the ballot box, you know, it, and it, nothing has changed since. In fact, <laughs> maybe that power has run away a little bit or got itself stuck into Twitter and social media. But the idea that you could join together and with a postal order change what the government was suggesting. A postcard with a slice of music history and social history from Gary Kemp. Rachel Paris has become known in recent months for her deadpan skewering of some of the lunacies of modern life and politics. When she came along to the studio, along with fellow comedian Tiernan Duyeb, she, thankfully, wasn't the smiling assassin. In fact, the postcard she wanted to talk about, she was intrigued by small, fluffy creatures, albeit in a slightly twisted setting. It's a very odd-looking card. It, it is a street scene uh, with shops on a street, but instead of people walking down the street, it's got mice, actual mice, because this is a postcard I bought myself of... Um, <laughs> A phenomenon <laughs> called Mouse Town. Mouse Town. That's right. And where Mouse is that Town. situated? I, I'm not familiar with the postcode of that. To one. be specific, the magnificent Matthews Mouse Town. Very good. Um, now this is a display uh, which goes from festival to festival, field festivals, I think, in around Sussex. I mean, it, it might be a global thing. I don't think it is. And basically, it will be soon. <laughs> And basically, I saw it for the first time when me and my brother went to something called Apple Day. He lives in Brighton and um, me and his wife and him went to this, like, apple festival where you drink a hell of a lot of cider. This all sounds so twee. It's so It's just an apple day in a mouse twee. town. It's I like, know. That sort of feels like Beatrix Potter, uh, Enid Blyton territory. I, just I, I think there's something beautiful. quite sinister about mouse town, though. I don't want to live in I, mouse town. I completely agree. There was something sinister about it. So we went to this festival, we're quite drunk, and then it is sinister because you go into a very darkened tent. Oh, no. And it's dimly lit, and there is a doll's house-style setup of a town, and all of the shops are called references to mice, like Ratton and Hamlins, like Pied Piper of Hamlin and things like that, and there are mice running amok in this tiny town. Oh, and they're it's... real mice. Oh, they're real mice. Oh, God. Oh, goodness. Oh, I thought it was like, I hadn't seen the... Oh, wow. So it's one of the, it's one of the major attractions. Um, I can imagine. At field festivals I mean, I feel Sussex. like I could just probably put up a couple of signs around my flat and get <laughs> people to come and do the same thing. You, you could say that, and I think you'd be right. Yeah. <laughs> but I just kept this because... So I remember I bought three postcards of Mouse Town. I wish I had the others because with the full set, you'd see the full range of mouse puns. Yes, yes. Well, next time. Next time. Um, and I sent one to my brother um, after the fact. I sent one to our mum and dad, um, which I think will have only confused them. You really had to be there. <laughs> what are those enormous mice? <laughs> <laughs> and I obviously, I didn't realise until the search for old boys, I kept one for myself and well, it just reminds me of that day. I've said before... I never really know where the postcards will send our conversation. But I did think that the comedian Mark Watson would probably take us somewhere interesting. He's a great teller of unusual stories when he's on stage. He's also the author of six novels. But when Mark came along with Timandra Harkness, the broadcaster and author of Big Data, 
I was nonetheless taken by surprise by the card he chose to share with us. It was sent in 2006. Um, it's a uh, thank you for thank you for your wedding card sent by uh, a friend of mine called Phil, who was the toastmaster at the wedding. But it was a sort of at your t- wedding. Yeah, uh, which was as I say in uh, 2006. So his job was sort of to introduce the speeches and stuff. It was a, a kind of tongue-in-cheek appointment because he's got a loud voice. We gave him a bell and all this sort of thing. And it's a strange thing for me to to have found because uh, the, we're not together anymore. And also he sent it from him and his then partner, and they're also not together anymore. And yeah. so it serves as a kind of reminder of the uh, transience of all things and the way that postcards do. But it also kind of makes me happy because it says um, uh, your happiness was infectious and the wedding was poignant, fun and memorable, he says, from beginning to end, which is nice. And although ultimately the... Uh, you know, the relationship didn't end well, and uh, nor did his, and nor do a lot of people's. Like many of the couples that were at that wedding are no longer together, which is a really odd thing when you look back at any wedding from sort of 10, 20 years ago. But because of this convention of, there's quite a few of these postcards uh, saying thank you for the day, which my ex-wife luckily kind of hoarded. And it is nice to feel that the day and that occasion kind of lives in people's memories as a nice thing, even though, you know, we're well beyond the time when the actual marriage is. So it's yes. kind of, it's a very, very bittersweet thing to have, but it's, and of all the postcard conventions there are, the idea of sending them to someone after after something like a wedding or uh, to, to commiserate, all those things are really important ones to preserve, I think, because again, you'd never look back on a set of emails that you had from wedding guests from 10, 20 years ago. Perhaps you would, but the chances are you wouldn't even still have them. Whereas a box of postcards from people saying congratulations is, as I say, sad in a way, but um, has a strange kind of power to um, to cheer you up as well. I think thank you cards are quite powerful, actually, aren't they? In a, in a way that... Yeah. Birthday cards, are, obviously they're lovely, but they're kind of an obligation, Christmas cards and so But the thank you card is feels a bit more spontaneous, and postcards work really well for that. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, not everyone goes to the effort of this. Is the postcard shows somebody on a mobile phone, but right outside a phone box. So it's a kind of <laughs> a, a, a joke in it, doesn't it? It has a joke, and it's also another sort of memory of how time passes. And there's another le- like history or time has given the joke another layer because even the mobile that he's got looks pretty old to us now as well. Certainly. So the joke is sort of now on him as well as the phone box. <laughs> How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Regular listeners will know that images of all the cards we talk about on the podcast are posted on the blog, which is postcardfromthepast.co.uk. And in fact, you can sign up to the blog there too, and you'll get an alert when there's a new post, which normally means because there's a new podcast. And this is Podcast from the Past, the Postcard Podcast, and I'm Tom Jackson. This is an end of Series 1 look back at some of the personal stories prompted by the cards my guests brought along. Quite apart from being a successful novelist, playwright, and journalist, Bonnie Greer is one of the best-loved voices in broadcasting. She has a way of cutting to the heart of an issue, but always in a humane way. So I was thrilled that she agreed to come along for the very first episode of Podcasts from the Past. I wasn't disappointed. She regaled us, me and fellow guest music and arts journalist Andrew Mayle, with stories about her time on the board of the British Museum, but also with this card, an image of an acrobat painted by Edgar Degas. Well, uh, the first one is a postcard from the National Gallery. And I don't know when I picked it up, but it's of a Degas called Miss Lala at the Cirque Fernando. And it's the first image that I ever saw, maybe it's shortly after I came here, but of an African woman in a uh, master's painting. I'd never seen it before, not as a subject, always as somebody in the background, never women, but but someone in the background. And I was just really, I mean, her hair was exactly the way a a black woman's hair is. It was in a natural state. She's hanging from the ceiling of the circus. That was her act. And I just remember standing in front of it and thinking, you know, the kind of attention Degas had to have paid in order to get the angle. Uh, We can see him actually, or have a sense of him actually sitting in the seat of this tent circus, looking at this woman who is in, I think this was 1870s or something, and she's kind of in a white outfit, and she's literally hanging by her teeth from a rope in the ceiling, and I guess she twirls. And the attention, I was just really moved by the attention that Degas paid to this. And I know he was doing it as an exercise for himself as well in terms of perspective and everything. But he paid so much attention to her, got her right in so many ways, that this idea of this black woman hanging from a circus uh, ceiling actually reminded me of my own life (laughs) at that point. So I thought, oh, that's kind of an inspiration for the first novel I want to write. So I called it Hanging by Her Teeth. It's going to be reissued, and it's kind of like an odyssey of this young black woman as she's going through the world. So this was a very important piece of work for me. I'm very visual, and it's how I get inspired to write. And so it's still there, and it's quite a moving piece of work as well. That he wanted to actually immortalize her is what moves me as well. What I like about Degas is the 
I think he's sometimes misrepresented as being a painter of great elegance in the dance. Yes. And actually, I think he's a painter of physicality in the exactly, dance. You exactly. You can see the work going. And then the images are, they feel semi-backstage. Exactly, exactly. And also, so you can, you can you feel can, her muscles there. You can, and you can also sense his eye. He's done in such a way that you we're not looking straight on at her. We're in the seat in the circus itself, and we're looking up at her. And... He's caught his own eye looking at her and studying her, which I think is amazingly masterful. And it's also, it is kind of backstage in a way, because he's also depicted the work. This takes, you know, as you say, you can see her muscles, but it also takes enormous work, the training. And she's hanging by her teeth Mm -hmm. from a rope. So it's... um, yeah, there's a real tension to it the is, image, absolutely, isn't there? Absolutely, absolutely. In both, obviously, in both senses of exactly. that of that word, you you feel that moment exactly. ongoing, and you can also sense him sketching her, yeah, quite quickly as well, and then you know filling it in later. So, all of those metaphors, all of that action, all of that actually inspired my first novel, and so I, I keep it up in front of me to remind me. That's also, amazing. my life here, and to tell you the truth. <laughs> so it's still a very important piece of work for me. Bonnie Greer on the portrait of Miss Lulla. Museums and galleries are kind of the last outpost of the picture postcard in some ways. Um, you can't always buy them in the high street, but there's always a card to pick up in a museum and gallery, and they're still very popular there. Perhaps not to send, perhaps more to keep, but that's a good place to pick up cards. Well, sharp-eared listeners will have observed that in this end-of-term special, I haven't actually read any of my at-past-postcard messages from the back of old postcards. None this time, I'm afraid. You'll just have to buy the book, Postcard from the Past, or look on Twitter, at-past-postcard, where every day, every week, I post dozens of old postcard messages. Now, Matthew Horn needs very little introduction. He shot to fame ten years ago as Gavin in Gavin and Stacey, Uh, and has since proved himself to be one of the nation's favourite comic actors. He came into the studio in esteemed company, the neuroscientist Professor Sophie Scott. I kind of imagine these two fascinating people would have stories to tell. I was right. I'll let Matthew explain. I've got um, a postcard, uh, which is a, a painting by a Polish painter. Anyway, the painting is called Stansik, and it's by... A man, oh, this is Tell by me Jan Matejko. The painting, <laughs> the painting uh, depicts a, uh, a jester in 1862, what looks like sort of backstage after performing for the, I suppose, upper classes. And he has a quite a depressed, haunted look about him. Um, and he's, he's got a whole jester's... Outfit, yeah, he's, he's in red and he's got the pointy jester hat and discarded on the floor is, uh, I don't know the technical term, but um, I think jesters used to have a sort of small carbon copy of themselves in like puppet form on a stick. Sophie, do you know the name of it? No, no I'm, I'm thoroughly agreeing okay. with you. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly, yeah. Uh, and that's discarded on the floor. And um, in the background, you can see everybody continuing the party. And he's sort of slumped in the chair after having done his skit. It's difficult to tell whether it's gone well or not, but he's clearly not had the best of gigs. It's gone, though, isn't it? He's, he's given something because he's wiped he's, out. He's given... He's given his all by the looks of it, and now he—it looks like something that uh, he does every day and is somewhat of a thankless task. 
Now, you're an actor. Yes. You work in comedy. Yes. Is the connection too 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 close here, or um, it, why have you got it? I why, think why? it's a bit of a. I think it's too much of a cliche to suggest that that there is a, a sad clown element to my uh, appreciation of this painting. Um, I did a play last year called The Miser at the Garrick Theatre with the comedian uh, Lee Mack, who I um, didn't realise was quite an art aficionado. And we talked a lot about art when we weren't um, doing the acting. And um, this, I, I showed him this painting and we sort of mutually fell in love with it. Um, it does look a little bit like him, and <laughs> but we connected with this painting and I bought this postcard for him, but I also bought myself a copy. And actually it went further that we both actually got reproductions made by a chap in Chiswick. And where did you come across the card? You introduced it to Lee, but you... An ex-girlfriend of mine showed me the image and oh. she said, this reminds me of you. <laughs> it's the, the, the fact that she's an ex is completely unrelated. <laughs> uh, she knows how much I love painting or paintings. I, I don't paint. I like paintings and the reason I like paintings is because I can't do it. But it's, it's a great picture because it's a picture with... With a, a story. story. Yeah. It's meant to have a story. The story is, is, is all captured in there, but you've kind of given it layers of other meaning. Well, I mean, I think that's all art, isn't it? That, you know, it speaks to, to the individual in different ways and you create your own stories and um, uh, apply your own connections to it yeah. um, or, or not if you don't like a piece of art, if, this, if it does nothing for you, for example, but this painting does quite a lot for me. And where's the original? Do you know? It's in the National Museum in Warsaw. Are you going to have to do a trip there? Um, yes, I would love to see it in the flesh, um, but I do have a very good copy at home. <laughs> <laughs> Why bother? Although it did probably cost a, a lot more than a flight to Warsaw. Yeah, so. yeah. city break to Warsaw. Yeah. yeah. The thing it made me think of, and in addition, with the, there's the whole sad clown issue, but also there's just that kind of the effort in performance, the amount of work that live performance actually takes if you're out on a stage doing things where an audience all agree to shut up and then you have to go with that you can fill that space with what you do is and I'm not saying it's like war but it is unbelievably tiring it is and uh, arguably uh, in comedy more so because you have one remit yeah. and that is to create laughter yeah and you know there hasn't been laughter you uh, know you, yes <laughs> and and uh, that that is your kind of priority and that is your fundamental aim mm. when you're doing comedy and i would argue that it is a lot harder to make people laugh than it is to make them cry mm. uh, so being a comic can be, as is depicted in this painting, an exhausting thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yes, as you say, it's it's not war, but, but it's, it can uh, be exhausting. The other thing it made me think of is people's surprise when comedians aren't like that all the time. <laughs> but, and the thing you always hear, or, you know, people are always, I mean, people are always sort of shocked and upset to discover Morecambe and Wise didn't live together. Yes, you know, yes. Like, yes. Um, but if there's any kind of indication that there's not this, like, jazz hands, people are sort of terrified and frightened but because it can't be that's yeah uh, it's the same it's the same with with uh, actors as well you know i mean most people that approach me in the street expect to meet gavin yeah um 
and that I landed on the earth in Billericay, age 27, yeah. <laughs> and speak like him and, yeah. and have his personality, and it's not the case, you know. And that can be quite difficult for people to process. I don't mean that to sound condescending anyway, because it's perfectly understandable that if, if, you're, in your, that you're, if you're in their living rooms on the television mm. being a certain thing, then that's what they expect you to be. I understand that. But um, it can often create a bit of friction when you mm. disappoint them <laughs> because you're not that person. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? From a painting in the National Gallery of Warsaw to an insight into the life of a TV actor uh, with Matthew Horn. You never know where the cards will take you. Time now for our final card. And this was the day that the bird-watching conductor, Lev Perikian, came into the studio, along with comic actor Ruth Bratt. Lev had some very good stories about what a dishonest bird-watcher he'd been as a child, and he brought with him scrapbooks full of menus, chewing gum wrappers, food reviews and postcards. Ruth's final card was a very simple one. I'll let her tell the story. So the picture is of... The Jumping Jenny Restaurant at Brantwood. It's open throughout the year, serving homemade cakes and interesting light meals. There's some daffodils on a the on a brown, the little alcoves. It's very pretty. So where is this? It's in Cumbria. Okay. It was the home of John Ruskin. There we go. It's in. Well, Con- it was handy if he was peckish. Yeah. <laughs> The house and estate are open to the public throughout the year. And at the top, my uh, my friend Mitch has written, great place. OK, so it's recommended. <laughs> and underneath, uh, interesting like meals, she's put nice eats. So so why why this card? I don't think it's an interest in restaurants, is it? Or maybe it is. No, no it's not. So it's really Mitch. M- Mitch was um, an amazing woman. Uh, I think it's really important for girls to have really brilliant, female role models uh, and I had some amazing women uh, in my life when I was growing up my my grandmothers were both formidable and terrifying uh, particularly one of them <laughs> utterly terrifying and Mitch was kind of she was not terrifying but she was absolutely formidable so Bob and Mitch were friends of my parents from my mum's first teaching job Bob was the drama teacher and my mum was the English teacher and they taught in a place in Kent that was really rough like really rough and my mum talks about it now like she was eight months pregnant with my brother my mum's tiny she's about five foot two I think and um, she was in the library with her class all of the boys, you know, 16, 17-year-old boys, probably well over six foot, one of them having a fight with the, a physical fight with the librarian oh. using chairs and my <laughs> mum standing in between them going, boys, boys! <laughs> uh, Not the librarian. Yeah, right. Um, so Bob, Bob, was, uh, Bob and Mitch were just this uh, just phenomenal couple. Um, they had two sons, one of whom was severely disabled, and every year they had a a bonfire night party because Gareth really loved loud noises and bright lights. That was his thing. So in his room there were just hundreds and hundreds of um, music boxes and he would play them all at the same time. He'd wind them all up and you'd sit and listen to it and it was just this... Mm. Cacophony. cacophony. Yeah, wonderful cacophony. And then every year this was his big party. They'd have this big... There's something about sometimes immersing yourself in that kind of random... Yeah. Sound, a yeah. Agglomeration of sounds. If you, if it's 
if it's just for you, I think other you know, yeah, other people might find it a bit like, oh, okay, this is a bit <laughs> challenging. And they, they never, I never knew them once to complain. I never heard them complain about their lot. And they had uh, an older son, Tim, who I just adored. You know, when I was eight, he was, I don't know, 20-something. And I just, oh, he was just amazing because he was so old and he was so glamorous. And when he was, I think when he was about 30-something, yeah, he must have been about 30, there was a really awful car crash and he died. Oh. And again, Bob and Mitch never complained about it. Bob actually went to court to argue that the guy who was driving the car, who was a friend of Tim's, should not be sent to jail, you know, and fought very hard for this guy not to lose his his life. They were just so positive about everything. And then Bob got Parkinson's. And you know when you're just going, how can this, how can these people have more than, you know, take more than this? And Bob was just so erudite and witty and... But uh, the Parkinson's took away his speech. And so he used to have a, um, you know, one of those ticker tape things. Mm. So he'd write you ticker tape mm. and you'd well, uh, you'd read it. And he'd, it was always jokes. What a solution. Yeah, yeah, it was always funny. It was always witty. It was always So they were just this amazing, just these amazing people. They were my uh, brother's godparents. And I absolutely adored Mitch. She was hilarious and she was wicked, like wicked. <laughs> and she was kind of, she was larger than life. She was she was quite big and she had short hair, always dyed like like white or red or, you know, and as a, as a girl seeing like a 60-something-year-old woman just, you know, celebrating whatever yeah. she looked like. And she being, a, what she want, being what she was yeah, in a time when women, women weren't. Yeah, she was just phenomenal i absolutely adored her and so what's the what where, where how do we how do we encapsulate her in this card or so, how does this card bring her to life so this card was from her when i uh i was engaged and my uh my fiance dumped me uh it was awful and she's she just it's the best cards i ever could have got from someone dear ruthie and you always knew it's always ruthie when mm. someone's close to you and um, you know as you are no doubt aware my letter writing skills are appalling uh, certainly not improving with age you sounded sad in your letter it's great that you have friends to help you with wine and sympathy I hope you will regard me as a friend uh, even one that's a bit long in the tooth I have been there I was a late developer due to emotional upsets men exclamation mark <laughs> but I did eventually bump into my magician and so will you I don't think I expressed that very well but I'm sure you know what I mean. Uh, I know you can go to the lovely cottage uh, on side, which is where my parents lived, but if you ever want to have a natter with a bottle or two, uh, or three, <laughs> or spend the night here, the bed is always made. Hope to see you someone, sometime. Um, and it was the most... I did, uh, the, I did eventually bump into my magician. It's such a lovely way of it's saying it. It's such a lovely way of saying it. And, and also, I love the way she says, I don't think I've expressed that very well. No, you've expressed it absolutely perfectly. Expression. Yeah. And it was... It stuck with me for, for well, it's it has stuck with me forever, and it's a thing that I, I genuinely believe. It's not I don't believe in the one, I don't believe in, but I do believe that life sends you magicians mm. from time to time, and they're not necessarily a partner, or a you know, or a lover or anything like that. They're just people who are magic to you, um, and I think in a way she was one of my magicians, mm. um, and. Uh, I miss her very much. Mm. She died a couple of years ago, and and she's but she's always been like a real inspiration to me. 
And it was weird because, so after this breakup, that was when I started doing improv. Okay. Uh, which, like most people who do improv, mm. that's because they broke up with someone. Is that, is that how it works? Oh, yeah. Oh, pretty much generally. <laughs> um, and, uh, and that was when I met Ken Campbell. And then when Ken died, Mitch said to me, oh, we lost our friend. And it took me a while to work it out. And I, I said, oh, Ken. And it turned out she knew Ken. Really? Uh, so she and Bob were friends with uh, all that group, uh, Joan Littlewood and all of that, because mm. they were from the East End and right. they all knew each other. And had you talked to them about that? I'd like, never that's spoken to them about thing, it. Isn't it. People die and yeah. you go, and you go, oh, if you had, I, I should have known. I was too yeah. young, I was too stupid yeah, to sit you down in the corner, right? Tell me everything. Tell me all the you things. Know, so there's, there's lots of stuff I don't know about her, but all that I do know is that she was, she was, utterly positive, and always grateful for for life no matter how hard no matter what it threw at her mm. you know and she she also she fought for everything like she fought for all the rights for for Gareth and she fought for him to have quality of life and for him to be in the right place and she never gave up and Bob never gave up and they you know they they fought until they literally couldn't fight anymore and 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 that kind of what's the word Tenacity is something that I would always hope to have. And that's it. I hope you've enjoyed our multi-view image of podcasts from the past. We're going to take a short break now before coming back with more postcard stories from more great guests, actually just in a matter of weeks. I've already spoken to some of the guests we've got lined up, and I know it's going to be good. In the meantime, if you haven't subscribed, please do. That will mean that the next series will come to you automatically. Also, the joy of podcasts, you can catch up now with any episodes you've missed. They're still there on iTunes, Acast, via the website, postcardfromthepast.co.uk, and anywhere else you get hold of your podcasts. It is worth looking also at the website for another reason, because there'll be a few other bits of news on there about other postcard activity. Above all, the simplest thing to do, keep an eye on the Twitter, at PastPostcard. And if you've enjoyed this first series, I'm told it's a good idea if you could leave a rating or a review on iTunes. Regular listeners will know we like to end with a record that's pressed on a postcard or a postcard that's a record. So here for this end of term special is an oversized card with an image of Blackpool Tower, uh, the icon of British seaside holidays of a certain vintage. And when you risk your needle, and I'm not sure I would advocate this with uh, your high-class stereo, but when you risk your needle and put it on the record, this is how it sounds. And as the rough seas of Blackpool and the Blackpool Tower spin away into oblivion, that's it for this time and this series on Podcasts from the Past. 
I'd very much like to thank all my first-class guests from this first series for giving up their time, for searching through their attics to find postcards, and for sharing the postcards from their pasts. And thank you for listening. Bye for now. You can see more postcards with their messages posted every day on Twitter. Do follow me, at Past Postcard. And you can buy the book, Postcard from the Past, by me, Tom Jackson, at Amazon and all good booksellers. And if you're looking for podcast production, check out wardorstudios.co.uk. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.